they go out. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our children and our young people. We, we ask that you may bless them, give them a really exciting time. May you reveal to them more and more of your love. Amen. The readings are taken from 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 6.18 to 20. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But on this day of remembrance, we remember above all else that the reason we are here this morning, the reason we can pray, is because you gave your life for us. And we thank you that you opened the gates of heaven, that you opened a way to God, and that that means we can come and we can call you our Father and we can pray this morning. We do pray very much for the situation in Ukraine, and we do pray, Lord, for a resolution of peace in that place. Uh, We don't quite know how to interpret the events that have happened this week, But we do pray that it might be a first step towards peace returning to that land. We pray for those who suffer, who suffer injury, who suffer loss. And we ask, Lord, that you, the God of peace, will surround them with your great peace today and in the future. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we recognize, too, that uh, peace is not just an external thing. It's also in our minds and in our hearts. And we we pray for those who need peace of mind at this time. Uh, In these days of great pressure on family finances, in these days of great worry and concern about the future, we ask for those who serve you uh, in the National Health Service and particularly uh, in dealing with people who struggle with their mental health. Lord, may they know the resources that they need in order to care. And may you bring peace of mind to those who are hurting. Lord, even amongst our own church family, for those who struggle with peace of mind at this time, we ask that the God of all peace might bring us that peace and security that you alone can give. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our church and our community. And Lord, we ask that as we've been reflecting on what it means to be your church over these past few months, that you might renew us and revive us with your presence and with your purpose. Lord, give us clarity as we seek to serve you both now and in the future. Give wisdom to your leaders uh, and may you renew us all with a, a passion for you, your truth and your service. So, Lord, in these days, as we reflect on your church, may we be your church in every way that we may glorify you and serve this community. And we bring these prayers to you this morning in the name of the founder of the church, the source of peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Imus, who's seen this before, this slide? Very famous. So there are two pictures here. It's one of these optical illusions. Who can see the old woman? Who can't see the old woman? Okay. Um, who can see the young woman? Who can't see the young woman? Okay. Who can see both pictures? Who can see only one picture? Okay, great. There we go. Thank you very much. Um, let's just uh, move on. Thank you. Um, so over the, these past few weeks, we've been thinking about how the church is God's glorious people. Now, I say that because in human terms, that's not often the case. Um, Psalm 16, verse 3, As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. And actually, let's be honest, sometimes we don't feel that glorious as God's people, and sometimes we don't look that glorious as God's people, um, because we often think of things as they appear to our own eyes. And, and often we're, we're anything but that. But, but, what we've been seeing is that when we open the Scriptures, God looks at us in a totally different way, which is really great news. That actually, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's happening in our lives, God looks at us as His glorious people, His beautiful people, a beautiful bride. And, and that's fantastic, isn't it? Because actually, that, 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 is a, that gives such peace to, to that sense of identity. And God looks at us through the lens of the cross, through what Christ has done on the cross. And through His lens, His eyes, we are a glorious people who belong to Him, who are beloved. Don't you think that's amazing? No, not really. That's not really. It is, because, you know, often, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and we all do that, don't we? Who's that? staring back at me. We look bleary-eyed. But God, when I have faith in Christ, God looks at me as His precious, beloved, beautiful child. And, and that is an incredible foundation to my sense of identity in a world um, where so many battles are happening over identity. That foundation of how God sees me is incredible. Whatever I feel through faith in Christ, God looks at me as his glorious people, his glorious uh, person. Um, and two weeks ago, and we split this into half, um, we thought about how we are God's household, which is different to describing the church or this building as God's house. And that's often the case, isn't it? People say, oh, the house of God. And what we're discovering is that this is not the house of God. House implies bricks and mortar. A household is about people. Um, it's quite different building a house to building a home. You know, we, we see houses being built, but building a home is what happens when people move in. True? True. And in many ways, God is building a home, people, and the promise is he wants to come and live within that people. And that's a very different perspective. Um, and so we've been looking at 1 Peter, what God has to say uh, to us uh, through that uh, passage. And uh, the first thing we looked at a couple of weeks ago was that we are called to belong to him. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, as you come to him. Come to who? Jesus. And it speaks about that relationship with him. 
Again, we're not speaking about formal religious practices and observances. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about this incredible invitation which God makes to people. And he says, I want you to come to me. Because as we start to open the scripture, we find again and again and again this incredible truth that God wants to live with his people. That, that actually we experience the, the very presence and friendship and companionship of a living God with his people. And right through the whole of the Bible, from the beginning to end, we see that, that passion which God has to live with his people. Um, secondly, uh, we are called to be the place where God lives and has built his home. And again, that's the difference, because in the Old Testament, you had either a temple or a tent, and that's where God lived. It was a kind of a symbol. The nearest place heaven met earth, the nearest place God met earth, was in that holy of holies, in the temple or in the tent. But in the New Testament, God came in person. So there was no longer a temple or a tent where the symbolic presence of God dwelt. He came. He walked. He lived. You know, that, those famous verses in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, God wanted to dwell with his people. Not in a building, but just in our lives and as we meet that community of those who are called to belong to him. Which is why... The New Testament, one of the New Testament phrases to describe the church is the household of God, the church of the living God. In other words, God wants to come and live within his people. Um, by the way, I, I don't know if I said this two weeks ago. Um, in the early church, um, they were sometimes accused as being atheists. Did I say that? I don't think I did. Um, so this is really funny. So very early on in the, in the days of the church, the, 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 the culture, the community around them thought they were a bunch of atheists, these Christians. Why was that? Three reasons. Because they didn't have any temples. There were no temples. Why was that? Because we were the temple. We were the place where God dwelt. There were no priests. No priests. Why? We are all priests. And there were no sacrifices. Why? Jesus was the sacrifice. By the way, always beware of churches which want to turn back the clock and go back to temples, priests, and sacrifices. That's all been dealt with. Uh, that's a throwaway line. Um, but there are many uh, churches who still use those ideas. That's Old Testament. And so Christians had no temples, no priests, no sacrifices. Religion then was they took temples, priests, and sacrifices for granted. Therefore, these Christians didn't have any of those, they must be a bunch of atheists. Isn't that interesting? There we go. Why? Because God was involved with living in his people. Here's the point I want to make this morning. This is the third point. We are called to, a to be a people who reflect his presence. That's on the second side. We are called to be a people who reflect his presence. God has called us to belong to him, and he's called us to be the people where he lived. Now, that's an incredible gift, but it's also an awesome responsibility. Just think about that for a minute. The, the truth of the gospel is that the living God who created the cosmos wants to come and personally dwell and live in his people. Wow. Uh, you know, we use the words, 
but we rarely reflect upon the incredible gift that is, but also the amazing responsibility that God would come and live within his people. How, how does this happen? Well, firstly, it's seen in our lives. It's seen in our lives. Um, verses 10 to 12, 1 Peter 2, the beginning of the, on, on the uh, first page of the outline. Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, in other words, we don't belong here, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, this sense of God living in his people is seen in our lives which act as a great big kind of screen to those living around us so that they start to see the lives we live. Why? Because God lives within us they see our good day deeds and glorify God as a result. That's part of the responsibility, isn't it? Because if God lives in us, therefore, you would think that might make a difference, might you? Well, I, I, I think maybe. Um, a, a little bit later in 1 Peter um, 1, um, Peter says, you, you need to be holy just as God is holy. Be holy just as God is holy. Therefore, if God is, 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 full, of holy, is full of perfection, um, purity, we need to be like that. Why? Because he lives within us. Do you get the point? You, can you see? That's an incredible gift, but can you see there's a responsibility there too? You know, we can't just carry on living as we have done before because in Christ, he comes by his spirit and the, and the awesome, holy, powerful godness of God lives within his people. That has to make a difference, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Peter says you need to be holy just as God is holy. If you have guests coming to stay in your home, what do you do? Panic, okay? What do you do? Thank you. Christmas is coming. The geese are getting fat. So that means we're, we're thinking actually some, I think Sam might be coming, Sally might be coming, it's time to start tidying up, yeah? There we go. Can you see, if God comes and lives within his people, if we are the household of God, there's a sense that actually maybe he wants to tidy our lives up as well. You can see the illustration. After all, he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He wants to come and live within us. We experienced that uh, two weeks ago. We said, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, we experience his goodness. It's a living, relational thing. But actually, that's going to make a difference. God wants to tidy up our lives. And so Paul says, actually, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where God lives. He doesn't live in a building. He doesn't live in the Holy of He lives in you. And, and in 1 Corinthians 3, and Lou gave us those readings, he said, that is an, an incredible pointer to how God wants to tidy up our lives. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. Why? Your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the, we've just come back from Scotland. And in the olden days, coming down from, from the far north, 
And if I left early enough and could get ahead of the, the wagons and the traffic on the A9, um, you know, I could cruise at about 80 miles an hour, okay? And if my wife wasn't in the car, it might even be a little bit more. You're judging me, I know, okay? But I'm being honest. Now, I can't do that right now because, and it's not because, and listen, don't you tut at me because everyone done. You are on the motorway and you're just keeping an eye out for police cars. Do you do that? You do. You do. But I can't do that anymore on the A9 because between Inverness and Stirling, there are cameras and it's an average speed limit. And I can't do it. I have to keep because in many ways they're assessing my average speed. Um, now, all right, Kate's sitting next to me, so whenever I, she taps me because I'm going, but I can't do it because the cameras will, will, will find me out. Wait a minute. Now, that could be a negative thing, but actually, positively, that keeps me within the law, doesn't it? It keeps me within law, and, and it did, just about, okay? Yeah, I, yeah, okay. Now, if the Holy Spirit, if we are temples of the Holy Spirit, where God lives, the household of God, we can't think, oh, um, no one's watching, because we do that sometimes. Is anyone watching? No. Because God lives in me. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, and and this makes the biggest difference for a number of reasons. Firstly, positively, it is the greatest description of who I am. It is the greatest description of who I am. Um, if God lives within me, then ultimately, I belong to him. Romans 14. If we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We belong to him. He lives within me. The greatest description of a Christian is that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Not that we're going to use that necessarily with our neighbors or friends and family. But a Christian is somewhere, someone whom God lives within. We become the place where he resides. We are the place, we, our bodies are, are the places where he finds his home. That's the greatest description of who we are. But it's also, secondly, the greatest counter against sin because if I live with that awareness that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit God lives within me then actually there is the greatest counter when I'm facing temptation when I'm facing sin to say I'm not going to do that why because God lives within me. that's why what Paul is saying he says in this context flee from sexual immorality by the way um, that culture at the time was absolutely permissive in many ways, that culture um, in, in New Testament times was very similar to the culture we live in today. Anything went, anything was acceptable. Um, he says, you need to, to live pure lives. Why? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives within you. So, so that I get that sense, that inner motivation, that I, I can't do something without God knowing but that's not out of fear. It's out of love because I love him. He's done so much for me. Um, you were bought at a price, he says. Therefore, honor God with your body. You were bought at a price. You know, on this day, Remembrance Sunday, 
it's, it's a really great film. And at the end of Saving Private Ryan, you have Ryan, who's now an adult, and you see him um, just kneeling at the graveside of those soldiers who died so that he could live. And what does he say? He, he turns to his wife. He's in tears. Tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm a good man. Because since, since 1945, he's lived every day aware of the cost, the sacrifice his comrades made so that he could live. And now he is married with children and grandchildren. But, but Paul is saying, you were bought at a price. In, in other words, God thought we were so important that he would come and die for us on a cross that we might not go to hell, but go to heaven, and we might experience his love and his life. And as a result of that, we sense, wow, he loved me, therefore I love him in return. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God. He lives within you, the greatest counter against sin. It's also um, seen in our service, uh, 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 sorry, uh, it's also um, the greatest sense of assurance as well. You know, that, that, that sense that, I know and have experienced that Christ died for me and that facing death, I know I will live forever. Not because of me, but because of what he's done. God wants to give Christians that sense of assurance. Romans, um, sorry, Romans 5.5, 5, hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. He's poured his love into our hearts. We're the temples of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's something I think we need to speak about maybe next year, assurance. There's that sense of, you know, does God love me? Am I, when, I, when I die, am I going to be with him? He wants to give us an assurance. Why we're temples of the Holy Spirit? He comes and lives within us. And then finally, it's the greatest source of power too. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Why? He lives within you. And, and so often we, we live lives which are powerless when God wants us to experience his power and his working in us by his spirit. Why? We're temples of the Holy Spirit. This is where he lives. And, and therefore he wants to give us and equip us so that we can live a life for him. So we are called to be people who reflect his presence in our lives, but then also in our service as well. In, in that, that, those verses from, from 1 Peter, he says, you're a holy priesthood, a holy priest. That's who we are. Now, a priest in the Old Testament offers sacrifices. Who are the priests now? Us or us, depending on where you are. Us or us. Okay. What sacrifices do we offer? Now, Gladly, we don't, we don't offer, we don't kind of start to cut up a lamb on the, it's going to make the carpet, it's going to make a mess, isn't it? So we don't offer, though, what sacrifices do we offer? Well, Paul tells us, Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual worship. We are the sacrifice. That's our spiritual worship. We are the sacrifice ourselves. We give ourselves to God in view of what he's done, in view of God's mercy. He has loved you so much. He's done so much for you. In view of this, then you offer yourself as a sacrifice. I love the message translation of this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
here I am. I'm yours. I'm the sacrifice. I'm the, everything I have, everything about me, I give to him. You know, I, I give my life to him, my time to him, my possessions to him, my finance to him, my everything to him. Because I'm a sacrifice. I'm called to, to reflect his presence, my life and in my service. Whatever I do, whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, I give myself to him as an offering. And in doing that, I proclaim in a really physical way the, the power and the love of God. God lives within his people, and we start to change as a result. That's who we are. Now, that's a long way from dry stones and stained glass windows, isn't it? It's a long way from that. We're chosen as people to belong to him. A holy nation, a people, a people where he lives. His supernatural, all-powerful, death-defeating, life-giving person living in us. Wow! And when you look around today, and I've said this many times, the church is growing around the world more than it's ever done before. Just not in this country. The church is growing more than it's ever done in 2,000 years. And it's growing where people are going to realize who they are as, as people who belong to him and, and as people where God comes and lives and dwells. The household of God. The greatest gift, yes, but the biggest responsibility. So I suppose as we, as we think about this, we pray, Lord, may we be this people? Because that's what he wants for us. You know, God is not interested so much um, in, in just nice religious people doing nice religious things. Not interested, really. Yeah, and we need to get this straight. And when you look around the world, when you see those churches um, which are, are overcoming in often very difficult situations, it's not because of the circumstances. It's not because of the resources they have. It's because they know what it is to be filled with the very power and presence of God, the household of God, the temples of the Holy Spirit, and allowing him to work in and through them. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you may give us a new perspective on who we are, uh, and that you may renew us and revive us by your spirit, shape us by your word, that we may be a people who belong to you, that we may be a people where you live, where you have built a home, and we are a people who reflect your presence because you live within us. We ask this in Jesus' name.